Welcome to the Stoic Sage. In this podcast, we are dedicated to using past knowledge tested by time to empower people of today. This podcast series includes discussions around modern challenges utilizing wisdom from nearly 2,000 years ago with the goal of bringing about how to think rather than what to think. Welcome to the journey to sagehood. Man is nearly himself when he achieves the seriousness of a child at play. Heraclitus Hello, my fellow Stoics. Welcome to the collection of powerful quotes series, whereby each month I pick out quotes and reflect on their importance and how they can be applied to today. If you follow Stoic Sage on Instagram at the Stoic Sage, you will have most likely seen these posts. But more importantly, it's extremely important to not only see these kinds of posts on the internet and social media, but to reflect on why they are important to live by. As I've said in the past, and like many of the Stoics have also said time and time again, embody the philosophy that you preach. And the final thing is, if you don't raise your voice, the answer will always be no. And this is with anything, right? And and, and this one I want to I want to stick kind of specifically to uh, with your job or your career, asking for a raise or asking for more of a leadership role, or um, I'm having too much on my plate. I need less. Refusing to raise your voice and your concerns also provides them with consent to continue on the path that you don't want to be on. So again, if you don't raise your voice, the answer will always be no. And that's the thing that we have to remember. It goes back to courage. You need to have the courage to be involved in your life and in your decisions and your choices, your path. Because if you're not involved in it, Someone else is just going to continue putting things in your path, whether you like it or not. And you have to be the one to raise your voice to change that. And again, if you don't say anything, the answer will always be no. But if you speak up, you will then at least be able to encounter the choice of yes or no. But your silence, again, always will give consent. So to kick things off, we're going to start off with a quote by Plato being, your silence gives consent. Now, I do want to preface very quickly here that within relationships, within romantic relationships, silence does not give consent. Now, I really want to make that extremely clear uh, moving forward here. What I really wanted to focus on was more so being uh, when you communicate with people, right? And I'll also get into another example as well. But what really struck out to me for this past month when I was reflecting on this quote was allowing people to step on you. So your silence gives consent to people who kind of push your boundaries, who push your buttons, basically, you know, how... They know that they're going to get a rise out of you or somebody who knows that uh, something is bothering you, but they continue on 
to kind of see how far they can push it. This is directly what Plato is saying here, that your, your silence, not saying anything, not standing up for yourself, that is also a form of allowing consent for those people to continue. You're not setting clear, explicit boundaries as to what someone is allowed to say to you or to enter into your relationship as, as far as friendships and or romantically, but also within the workplace as well. I mean, if your boss or your coworker or another manager or whatever it may be, a client, if they also are kind of overstepping their boundaries as to how they speak to you, your silence also gives them consent to continue to speak to you in a specific way or to treat you in a specific way. Now, this specifically derives from uh, pulling from the virtue of courage. We need to have courage into what is into understanding what is our boundary as to our person, into our mind, into our emotions, into our physical space. We have to create that line and then have the courage to stand up and say, hey, that isn't right, or hey, I don't like the way you're speaking to me, or hey, uh, even though I didn't say anything, that doesn't give you the right to continue, you know. And standing up for yourself, not allowing people to step on you is not a form of, aggress of aggression. You're not being aggressive by doing that. You are just setting a boundary and an expectation for them to follow. And if you don't, then again, it goes back to the quote, your silence gives that consent. Now, if we take it another step, not taking part in political discourse or in your local politics or national politics within your respective country, not taking part in the politics that you thrive in. Um, if you don't take part in it, that silence also gives consent. Because here's the thing, politics is going to continue on with or without you whether or not you take part in it or not. There will always be lawmakers. There will always be new people being brought into power. There will always be people being voted out and then voted back in. There will always be, and if you want to look at it in a bleak way, we all understand that corruption exists. There will always be corruption. However, you as, and we as the people, need to understand that if we don't take part in it, our silence gives them the consent to push for either radical ideas or uh, laws or policies that overstep the boundaries that we would, that we have set for ourselves as to how we'd like to live. You know, not taking part in those political conversations gives those politicians the consent to continue. You need to speak up. You need to email your representatives or your mayor or uh, the Senate. You can email pretty much anybody and 
again, your silence, refusing to take part in that and stepping back and putting your arms up and saying, I don't like to get involved in politics. Well, you don't have to be involved in politics, but it will shape the world around you. Now, the question is, do you want to be a part of how it's shaped? And if you don't, then I mean, well, then that's your choice. But if, you know, things really don't go your way, it makes it a lot, lot, lot more difficult for things to be reversed once they've taken effect. And that's really what I like to hammer home when I talk to people about, hey, why aren't you involved in politics? Well, if you're not, you realize that your silence is giving these politicians consent to push anything that they want. You know, lobbyists. <laughs> lobbyists, for crying out loud, will pay money for, for these politicians to push particular things. But if you, if we, as the people, don't stand up and say, hey, these are wrong before they're implemented, my, good, my goodness, some of these policies go on for years before they're actually removed. It's very difficult for things to be removed before or after they're implemented. So it's easier to tackle them before, which is why we should be involved in politics. It's how our world works, regardless of how much you want to be involved in it or not. This next quote is by Diogenes, and it states, The foundation of every state is the education of its youth. This one, over the past month, I have been thinking about because our public education system is a relatively hot topic. It's extremely important because it literally is what the quote is saying. This is uh, like the foundation of the country itself, whether the state or the country. It all starts with its youth. And this is why the state or the country itself pushes for the development or rather what their focus should be on as far as public education, rather than focusing on adults who can actually change things. Because when you think about public policy or in how you run a government, you don't necessarily, as a politician, you don't necessarily think about the adult public. You kind of also have to think about the younger generation because they're very impressionable. Children are very impressionable. It takes longer for them to outgrow ideals or things that they are taught and that they learn. And the more powerful the children are, are as far as what has been ingrained in them, the more powerful that nation will be. And by powerful, I'm talking about how ingrained those ideals are. So if people, for example, don't believe in the state or they don't believe in their country, they don't have pride for it. What will end up happening is what has happened to many countries when this has happened. Then it will fall into mismanagement. It will fall. The whole entire country, the state, public policy, all of these things are affected by that. Because if you don't have a nation where the, where the next generation is proud to be whatever country they're from, they won't really fight for what's best for not only them and their neighbors, but for what's best for the nation. If you don't have 
people, the next generation that are willing to do that, you will fall into mismanagement or the country will fall into mismanagement. It becomes a lot more difficult for the people to kind of, you know, take back power or realize their power. And this is why the foundation of every state starts with the education of its youth. Because the foundation is the next generation. And how you build up that next generation, that's extremely important to how the nation moves forward. This obviously is a really hot topic, especially with all the uh, critical race theory that has been a really um, debated topic. And uh, there's been a lot of outcry and then there's been a lot of pushback and but also people pushing forward for that kind of thing. At the end of the day, we will only know the effects of that in the near future. Unfortunately, we won't really know the effects of it until it has taken its course. And if those policies do take place, then well, then we're in for the ride at that point. And there's only so much you can do as as a parent, as far as you know, pulling your either pulling your children out of school and do homeschooling, or take them to private education, or if you believe in it, then you push them into public education. But I will say one thing. Marcus Aurelius, in his meditations, he wrote that while public education is very important, you shouldn't spend much time with what is provided by the state. Most of your education will be done with the family. You should spend more with, liberally with the family. That's where you learn. Because who can the children truly get knowledge and wisdom from with regards to living life? It'd be the parents, not the school systems. Your parents are the ones that have lived it. Obviously, different policies and whatnot, but they have experienced what it's like when policy passes and how it changes throughout their lives through the decades. They know what it's like. So the greatest understanding of life would come from the parents. You see, most of the education that's done through public education is generally book knowledge and just under your understanding of how the world works. But the experience of it is different. The experience of it is different. So most of your education should come from your parents. And this is why as stoic parents, we should be the ones to raise our children for what will be, not what was. You see, when it comes to raising your children at home, you have to understand that you have to keep up with the changing times because you're going to leave them in a world that is new to you too. As soon as they leave the home, you don't know what's next. As a parent, you don't know what's next. They are now in the same boat as you. But you have to, as a stoic parent, have to prepare them for what will be. So teaching them how policy is made, how policies affect, what happens when specific policies are changed, what happens when when um, taxes are raised on on the corporations, what happened, how does that uh, uh, impact the consumer power? All of those things should be done through the home. 
because the parents have lived that. They know what that is like. So you as a parent, we as parents, as mentors too, we should be aware of that. And we should take pride in understanding that how we're raising our children should be for what will be, not for what was. There's always this common thing of like when uh, when parents are scolding their, their children with regards to them making their own decisions. Oh, you haven't lived life like I have. It's like, well, don't just make bold claims. Tell me. Tell me what that's like. Because oh, I'm only going to learn that from you. And if I don't learn that from you, then I'm going to learn it myself. And when I learn it myself, I'm only going to apply the things that I did learn, which would be through public education. Now, now the question is, well, do I really trust the public education system to raise my children for what will be? Or should I give them also firsthand experience to what was, to how it's impacted to today, to properly prepare them for what will be? These are things that we should keep in mind. And this is why the topic of public education is so hot and so debated. Because it is important. Because the next generation will determine the, the future of the state. The future of the country. They are our future. So we have to make sure that that foundation, the foundation... The, gener the next generation is sound and clear, and the education is of truth, of logic, and reason. This next quote that I wanted to go over is, The two most powerful warriors are patience and time. And this is quoted by Leo Tolstoy. I love this one because patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. It always brings me back to that popular quote. I think I even have it as a screensaver on my phone at this point. Because it's true. Patience is not a fun thing. I mean, we live in a world where we're getting everything instant. I mean, at, in some cities, you can get Amazon products in 30 minutes via a drone. Very, very quick. We no longer have the lag of uh, AOL. <laughs> Internet is instantaneous. We no longer have pagers. You just text somebody. I mean, it really is uh, a time where instant gratification is almost applauded right now. So patience and time are warriors. They are the foundations of, of good character. Because time is something we can prepare for, but not something that we can predict. But how can we properly prepare? You don't prepare quickly. It's not the best way to do it. It's a good way. You can prepare as quickly as you want. But the best way to prepare is with patience and with time to articulate your next decision, to think rationally, logically, to question each route. And if you believe in a multiverse, you have to understand, if I take this route... Where will this lead me going this direction? And if I take this route, what will lead me in going in this direction? Those instances of you thinking and contemplating, that's all patience. That's all time that you're utilizing. Also, time is money. 
Time is valuable. I don't mean time, money, money, but time has value to it. So make sure you're putting your patience to proper time. Now, I love this because it takes a lot of mental strength. And this is where I like the uh, powerful warriors portion, right? Because you have to be strong in understanding that patience pays off. And that time will pay off. You have to be strong in your in your gut to tell to tell yourself, if I hold off, if I hold off just a little bit longer, whether it be with um, if you want to jump ship to another career or something, or if you want to um, uh, build your body to be the best that it can be with regards to strength and physique. That takes time. That takes patience. And only those who are willing to take the time and take and utilize that patience will you have the greatest gratification. You actually will build strength of character more than anybody else. And here's the thing, even with children, with raising children. You don't want your children to just be one day 18 years old right? Sometimes you, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've all experienced this at one point, but sometimes our, our parents got a little uh, quick with us as far as, you know, it, their expectations of how we should be thinking. We should be thinking like adults at the age of 16 or something. But that's not really the case now, is it? You need to be patient with your children too. You understand that they don't stop developing until they're about 26 years old. Only then is their character kind of solidified and what they've learned and like the habits that they have. That's what they will take into their late 20s to early 30s. So you have to be patient and put in the time with your children to make sure they are excellent uh, citizens to society and excellent members to your family too. Patience and time are warriors. So that's a big reason why I love that quote, the warriors aspect of it. <laughs> the fourth quote is by Plutarch, and it states, The measure of a man is the way he bears up under pressure. I love this one a lot because life, it reminds me that life will only ever get more difficult. Right? You get older, you get a little weaker, your health declines. I mean, life isn't isn't always easy. If you get rich, here's the thing too. If you get rich, your problems don't go away. Now you have to manage your money. And now you have to, and if you want that money to grow, you have to take risks. How much risk are you willing to take? Are you willing to lose it all? Are you willing to put in more time for it? I mean, it's life is a give and take as far as what you're willing to put in. But you become more powerful with that understanding the mental resilience required to take on life especially when you're under pressure because only then will you realize what kind of man you are when you are put under immense pressure I mean fathers parents in general they are under so much pressure I mean they have to work every day and then and then come home to provide for their children. It's no easy task. But 
How you bear under that pressure determines your character, what your children will see when you are under pressure. You want your children to see that you, that we, when they grow up, can be just as powerful as you. And that is how you measure a man. By the way he bears up under pressure. Is he calm? Does he control his emotions? Does he think or does he articulate his next decision? Does he um, stop conflict? Does he try to resolve conflict? Or does he exacerbate conflict? Does he take on issues with grace? All of these things are taken into account when it comes to the measurement of a man when life is, is not pretty. Because life is never pretty. It won't always be pretty. You'll have pretty moments. But it's all those individual moments that make life. And what you've done under the pressure of those moments also is what makes life. If you can build up the mental resilience to take on life's biggest pressures, man, smooth sailing. <laughs> life will be a lot easier for you. And this is the goal of, sto of stoicism. We want to be able to handle pressure as it comes our way and then articulate the next decision, the best decision, not just good ones. And uh, a clear distinction I like to make is that a good decision, everybody can make a good decision. Everybody wants to make a good decision. But the best decision sometimes doesn't always look pretty. I'll get into that topic in another podcast. But for the final quote that I wanted to go over, I wanted to finish this off with Plato. You shouldn't honor men more than truth. I find it very disappointing to see um, people follow figures simply because they agree with their narrative. And they will die following that narrative or they will die following that person. Everything that person says is true. And everything that they say, I agree with, therefore, it, I'm going to build my personality around it or something. But it's funny because if someone changes their narrative, they're all of a sudden shunned. They're also looked down on, even if it's the truth. See, we should always seek truth over any one person. Because the fact of the matter is, we're going to be wrong sometimes. And we will be wrong sometimes. Actually, I think that we'll be wrong most times. As long as we continue to live, should we continue to seek the truth? Which is, and also to learn how to live. No one has all the answers. And I think that's the, the beauty of it. That we can have conversations to find the truth. But no one man is going to have that truth. No one woman is going to have that truth. That's a false reality that you're following if you think that. If you follow somebody purely because of what they say, I mean, then you're not really following the truth. You're just following that person. You're honoring them more than what they're saying at that point, right? Because they can say anything. 
They can say a, a, a complete lie and you'll be completely okay with it. At that point, you were never following the truth, even if you believe them to be the sole source of truth. That's not the way it works. They may say a wrong thing and it's okay to disagree with them. It's completely okay to call them out on their lies as well. You can still follow them. Nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make them a bad person. That doesn't mean that their entire reputation is now tainted. You can no longer follow this person. You also shouldn't be that way either. You should understand that we will make mistakes. You should think to yourself, how many mistakes have I made before you sit back and try to judge somebody? I mean, you've also lied, have you not? You, I'm pretty sure you have lied. <laughs> Everybody's told a little lie here or there. But that's the reality of, of, of humans, especially public figures. They kind of try to have a specific narrative that they want to push. And it doesn't, I'm not talking just political. I'm just any narrative, a, a, any way of thinking, right? And you have every right to agree with it or disagree with it. But when you start to agree with them, you shouldn't continue to follow them as to say you honor them because of what they say. You should always question what they say. You can like the way they speak, but always interpret what they're saying. And how are they making you think? Well, that's, the, that's a really tricky one. Because they can tell you, they can make grand statements and you won't even know sometimes that you're being taught what to think instead of how to think. They should be making you kind of ponder things, really. And you as a Stoic, we as Stoics, should go in pondering everything that someone has to say. Because at the end of the day, we are seeking truth, right? We should honor truth, seek truth with wisdom, logic, reason, Utilize everything at our disposal as a Stoic to find the truth. But we should never honor a man or a woman more than we honor the truth. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help out the show. If you would like to check out Stoic Sage merch or read about the blog, please go to stoicsage.co. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, don't forget to become a member for our new exclusive Stoic Sage episodes. You can sign up using the link in the bio. I wish you well, fellow Stoics, on your path to sagehood.